Life is hard when you don't know who you are. It's harder when you don't know what you are. My love carries a death sentence. I was lost for years, searching while hiding, only to find that I belong to a world hidden from humans. I won't hide anymore. I will live the life I choose. You're listening to episode 36 of Fadeless, a podcast devoted to the supernatural series Lost Girl. My name is Dave, and sitting miles beyond the known reaches of cyberspace to separate the light and dark nuances of this week's episode, welcome, Wayne. Howdy ho, neighbor. All right. So, uh, okay, we did have a couple false starts, and I know I said I wasn't going to say anything or didn't want you to, but anyway, we're ready to go. For for good radio, though, you know? Yeah, yeah. So we're ready to go. and uh, (laughs) Take four. This time, we're not going to screw it up. That's right. So we apologize to the audience. It's been about, uh, gosh, 10 days, maybe 11 days. Uh, but we got a lot of good stuff to talk about. We've got some news tonight, Project X, as always. We've got another email from Sally, of course, the episode recap. And then finally, we're going to get to our top questing films. And I don't think we're going to limit it to 10. It could be less, could yeah, be more. Yeah, I think I have 10 just by myself. But we might have some crossovers here. Yeah, I'm sure we do. But, uh, you know, uh, other than that, you know, I certainly have been uh, – watching revolution and and liking what i'm seeing and hopefully the numbers will you know get a little better but uh doctor who of course uh, and obviously we are recording on saturday night so we're both delaying our gratification for doctor <laughs> who but also orphan black which you know what are you thinking about it wow it's yeah. awesome it's great. And uh, Felix is quickly becoming, I think, like one of my absolute favorite characters ever. I just think, uh, you know, maybe uh, we'll find the future time that's, you know, once again, given into some depth with Orphan Black, because I think it, it, it warrants that. But, uh, you know, maybe after a couple episodes. But that character, Felix, I mean, that is just, there's just so many levels to that character, you know, that, um, you know, he definitely is, you know, like, you know, is a homosexual, and there's all these stereotypes that go along with that. But then he's he's tough. You know, he's a he's a hard ass. Yeah, he breaks. You know, the I stereotypes. love that. I love that scene where uh, like Vic like knocks. I think pun- like punches him, punches him, knocks him down, and then offers to help him get up. And he's like slaps his hand away, stands up, and then throws his shoulder into him when he walks by him. You know, I'm like. Go on, Felix. Yeah. You know, well, and then the next scene, he's uh, you know, he's, he's sitting there playing with uh, um, with Kira. Yeah. Well, you, you know, know, I mean, we've certainly taken a look at, gosh, probably about eight to ten pilot episodes, and you know, certainly there's something unique when you look at a pilot. But I think we both agree that that you know, Orphan Black, virtually every character you really like. You mentioned Vic. You know, Vic the Dick. But yeah. but as a character. He's really compelling. I like him. Yeah, he, I, I don't like like him, like him. But as a character, right? That's what I mean. Yeah, he like he like he's fun. Like he's a he's a c- complete jerk one moment, and then uh, like kind of funny, and you know, in his weakness, the you know, he's like the opposite. He's a guy who's you know, the stereotypical tough guy, but then he's the guy who's always like, "Oh, can I come in? I need to talk and everything like that." He needs to unburden his soul all the time, and Felix doesn't unburden his soul to anybody. You know, except for maybe Sarah a little tiny bit, but really he, uh, you know, he's he's very self reliant. Yeah, I mean, I, I, certainly our listeners know what we think of Doctor Who, and you know, I don't think we, there's anything else we can say 
that if you're not going to watch Doctor Who, whatever, but Orphan Black, there, you know, tonight's episode three, you got time to check it out, and, and you, I don't think you'll be disappointed. Yeah, that's so. cool. So yeah, there's uh, actually I went back. To, I, I mentioned I think last time how I'd gone back to uh, to watch an old favorite of mine, the National Treasure movies, and then uh, this is quite possibly one of my favorite movies, and you might not even have ever heard of it, but it's called Twenty Four Hour Party People, and it's about the uh, the it's actually about Factory Records, which is, is Macaulay a, Culkin in that. No, but it's kind of like uh, you know he's he's got that one. Yeah, movie where he plays like a guy going to raves and everything. Yeah, that's um, what I'm thinking. Right. It's it, it's. I mean, they're, they're completely different movies, but I could see how you could get them confused because uh, 24 Hour Party People is kind of does deal in part with the beginning of rave culture in uh, Manchester, England, in the uh, in the early 90s. Well, actually, I'm sorry, late 80s, early 90s, the heyday of rave culture, and uh, and at the center of it was this little company called independent record company called factory records and they had signed uh joy division and the happy mondays and derudy column and that you know new order and so these are some of the biggest acts of of that time and they're all in this little independent company now all of this you're saying what does this have to do with lost girl or supernatural slash science fiction television and it does this because i'd seen this is one of my absolute favorite movies i watched it a gazillion times but I don't think I'd, I've watched it since I'd gotten into Life on Mars or Doctor Who because as I'm watching, I'm like, wait a second. Uh, playing Barney Sumner of Joy Division and New Order was one John Sims. Oh. Right. And, you know, so, like, all the times I'd seen this movie and all the times I'd seen John Sims, but the two, never the twain had met. You know, and now I'm watching this. I'm like, oh my god, that's John Sims. How did I never realize that? You know? right. And for the listeners, John Sims is the current uh, master in Doctor Who. Yeah, well, he right. hasn't been current for a while, but he's well, the, but the he's guy the most who last played him. Right, who last played it? Right, and and also he uh, was the lead on Life on Mars, the British Life on Mars. Right, right. So. All right, that sounds uh, sounds good. Other than that, for me, uh, Once Upon a Time's been in a one-month hiatus, but that'll be coming back soon. There was no Arrow this week, right? Well, there was, but it was a repeat. Repeat, right, right. Yeah. So, Same uh, with Supernatural. Though the Being Human finale, U.S., uh, was on, and it was intense, man. Is that season three? Season three, yep. Okay, and I did read that season four has been approved. Okay, cool. So, um, but it had the best title. I mean, uh, Jeremy Carver, who is uh, who uh, created the show for American television with his wife uh, Anna Frick. Um, you know, Jeremy Carver, like, well, just the supernatural titles are are really, really good and funny and clever. And uh, this one, uh, so Jeremy Carver, like, obviously brought that talent for coming up with titles to. Um, to being human, and so this last one was titled Rut Row. <laughs> okay, well, you know, like Scooby Doo does. Oh, uh, okay. are you too old for Scooby Doo? Uh, I'm yeah. sorry to put it like that. Yeah, but. yeah, I am. Okay, well, Scooby Doo. I was going like, Rut Row, right? Yeah. So they had like Rut Row because like there's all kinds of crazy stuff happens. All right. All right. Well, uh, anything else you've been watching? I mean, that's probably about all you have time for. Uh, you yeah. Did- yeah. Pretty much. Though I am doing a 
the Christian Bale Batman movies rewatch. Oh, okay. It's pretty cool. I watched Dark Knight last night. That movie is awesome. All right. Well, why don't we take a look at some news? And Wayne, you gave this show a shot, but you told me two weeks ago that you were done. Well, apparently the host network agrees with you, and the CW has canceled the struggling drama series Cult after only seven episodes of the low-rated series. The network's pulled Cult from its Friday night 9 p.m. time slot effective immediately and is going to be running uh, reruns of The Carrie Diaries and Oh Sit in its place. Now, it's unclear if the remaining six episodes of the series are going to air. The show, created by Rockney S. O'Bannon, who we know from Farscape, and soon to air, uh, in fact, next Monday at 9 p.m., Defiance, uh, Cult follows a production assistant on a TV show called Cult. After noticing a rash of disappearances and murders that appear to be connected to the show, she teams up with an investigative reporter to find out what's really going on. But you don't really have to, because it got canceled, so like, no. who cares, I, right? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, the series premiered February 19th to us. 900,000, uh, 900, yeah, right, 900,000 viewers, yeah. uh, a 0.3 rating in the 18 to 49 group, which is fairly low for a premiere, even on the CW. And it averaged uh, just over 700, uh, 700,000 viewers and a 0.2. So, uh, you know, on a positive note, though, for the CW, Beauty and the Beast has been doing really well and is going to be renewed. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people that really like that. I, you know, I haven't seen it, but uh, that uh, has the show has a very passionate following. Yeah, yeah. You know what? There's just only so much time. Does, I, I am at that point. I'm definitely at that yep. point where I'm like, yeah, I don't think I can. Yeah. Oh, but also, that's just not, I don't know if I did last time, but uh, uh, Fringe is on Netflix now. Oh, but the first four seasons, not okay. not season okay, five, not, not season five. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I went and finally got DVDs for all, I got, you know, like the, you know, for all the seasons. Uh, and then, uh, you know, right after that, they, uh, you know, they released it on Netflix. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. So. All right. Well, ABC, now usually spinoffs spell disaster. Uh, ABC has given the nod to a potential spinoff series of the hit fairy tale show, Once Upon a Time that could feature the popular literary character of Alice set in Wonderland. Now, uh, they want popular genre writer Jane Espenson to head up uh, with Prison Break producer Zach Estrin. And Alice, of course, is one of the few fairy tale characters that haven't been on Once Upon a Time as of yet. And apparently there are no immediate plans to have Alice there. Uh, the idea for the Wonderland spinoff is designed to take place after the curse created Storybrooke, but will also include flashbacks, which are you know certainly a, a big part of Once Upon a Time, which could also mean the return of Barbara Hershey, who played Cora, the Queen of Hearts. All right, now, uh, Estrin, who's best known for his producing work on Prison Break, as well as True Calling, you know who was in True Calling, right? Not a clue. Eliza Dushku. Oh, all right. And you know what? I've read a little bit about it. I've never seen it, but it does apparently have some sort of a supernatural tinge to it. Uh, also, Charmed. 
he was involved with. Now, he's also written many episodes for shows he's produced. And then, of course, Espenson's got a long and amazing career in science fiction besides her current work as a producer. Yeah, she's the rock star. Right. For Once Upon a Time, she's been a writer for shows such as Game of Thrones, Caprica, Torchwood, Battlestar Galactica, True Calling, and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, among others. Nominated for an Emmy in 2009 for Battlestar Galactica, short Face of the Enemy, uh, and she was also the executive producer. Now, the audience for Once Upon a Time is down about 10% from last year and trails NBC's Revolution as the network as network television's top genre show. So, uh, you know, it, it's still doing doing well. Now, a pilot is going to begin filming in April in Vancouver. Where else? And ABC is then going to decide whether to commission a short run for a first season that could make its debut before the end of the year. And lastly, I think you may know this. It's official. The BBC has confirmed that both David Tennant and Billy Piper will appear in the 50th anniversary special of Doctor Who. Cool. They will reprise their roles as the 10th Doctor and Rose Tyler and will appear alongside current stars Matt Smith and Jenna Louise Coleman and will be joined by acting legend John Hurt, whose guest appearance has also been confirmed. So, oh, nice. Yeah, excellent news. He's the, he's the voice of the dragon right now on Merlin. Ah, cool. John Hurt, really you mean. John Hurt, yeah, yeah. All right. So, all right, are you might, is that, is that going to be the Christmas episode? I don't know. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure it, they've said yet. This, my son keeps bugging me. He wants, well, not bugging me, but he keeps asking me because <clears throat> um, he knows – you know, I mentioned one time that it's uh, the 50th anniversary, and then he's like, "Oh, when's the 50th anniversary show?" When, you know, so he keeps asking me. I'm like, "I don't know." So I keep telling him it'll be on at Christmas, and that kind of satisfies his curiosity for the moment. Yeah. All right, well, that's the news, and that will take us into Wayne's segment. Yep. And Project X. Yeah. Okay. We only got one, and just because there were really no, I mean, there are lots of Faye, but just no mention of, or no feature of any Faye, because the bad guy was a human this week, and so, um, but we do have one Faye, and that's the guy that uh, Dyson is uh, forced to fight in the steel cage match, and he was a Lupercus, and Lupercus in the show apparently is some kind of similar like wolf type fey that is the enemy of whatever type of wolf fey dyson is um but lupercus was also a roman god similar to uh the greek god pan and he was the so he was kind of the the god of shepherds or the protector of shepherds so then if you think about that then it makes sense that a you know, a, a fae associated with the god of shepherds would be a huge enemy of the wolf, right? Makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought it was neat. Um, but, uh, you know, also with the, the Lupercal apparently is uh, derived from a festival in honor of this god, Lupercus. And, of course, you know the Lupercal because in the first scene of Julius Caesar is the celebration of the Lupercal. Of the of Shakespeare's Julius Caesar, right? Right. So, uh, February fifteenth, the Lupercal, which is funny because you think about that, and and you know, so like, whereas the action, I mean, Shakespeare was like brilliant at compressing time, place, and action, um, but you know, here it is, like this, the, the action of that play seems like it takes place in like 
in the space of a day or two is actually like a month. Right. So that's it. All right. Sounds good. And, you know, like you said, unusual for this episode in that the bad guys are humans this time. Right. All right. Well, we've got season three, episode 12, Hail, Hail. Written by Steve Cochran and directed by Steve DeMarco. Love it when the Steves do an episode. It's yep. always, always a good one. And, you know, too many to mention, probably. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even bother. I'm like, they've done so many. I'm like, yeah, you want to know, go, there's, you know, uh, Wikipedia has a, uh, you can see the Lost Girl episodes on there. You can see which ones they've done before. They've done a lot, and they're all awesome. Every single one these two do. All right. So. Well, speaking of awesome, uh, what'd you think? Uh, I thought it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, th- trying to figure out, you know, an overarching theme. I mean, certainly there there is a theme of change going on and, you know, change in leadership. Now, I mean, do we have a coup taking place here? I mean— uh, you know, it could be, it could be, it certainly does follow a, a pattern that closely, I mean, they're certainly commenting on, uh, the rise of, of fascism specifically in, in, you know, Nazi Germany, but I think just anytime, you know, like what, how, uh, fear and xenophobia, uh, can lead to just horrible things and can bring up a, you know, demagogue like the Morgan and, uh, you know, have people follow, uh, you know, unsuitable, I guess, or, you know, you know, evil leaders. Um, when they're, you know, when people are scared, they're, they're more willing to fall in line behind someone who says, I know the problem and here's how to fix it. Yep. Now, I mean, now this was, episode was full of literary and cultural allusions. Yeah. And, they're all and, over the and place. Historical allusions. And, you know, you just mentioned a couple. So, and, and you know, sometimes they don't work, but I, I really like them in this episode. Well, because they're very subtle, you know, yeah. it's not like they don't beat you over the head with it. Um, and, you know, except for the Morgan. Right, but, well, I, yeah. but I loved that, it anyway. That, that was not not subtle at all, especially when they start referring to humans as terrorists, and and so now it goes well. Okay, so originally when she steps up, and she does, there's a, you know the other Julius Caesar when she steps up and says, "Friends, Fay or friends, elders, something that you know, nobleman, nobleman, shut up and listen." You know, so obviously, you know, that's the shout out to to Julius Caesar, um, and then the rise of. You know, the the Caesars. I mean that that time in history was a, a turning point. It's the death of democracy in Rome, and the beginning of the monarchy of you know uh, one man rule for the next you know five six hundred years in Rome. Yeah. And so, are we seeing a similar? Yeah, you know, like you said, are we seeing a similar turn here, where it's the end of you know any kind of democracy or you know good feelings between the Fey, and now it's going to be. The Morgan taking over? That's yeah, quite possibly. Yeah, so we've got a couple questions that, that we'll get to, you know, related to that. Now, we've also got changes in relationships, you know, at the top of the list, the human fae relationship. I mean, heretofore, you know, humans have been at the bottom of the pecking order. And, you know, with Isaac and his, you know, ministrations at this point that, uh, you know, are things reversing and, and, you know, what role does he play? We'll talk about that. Well, uh, yeah, and, and the humans have always been like victims, right? And right. now we see that humans can be 
Yeah, I think you say not be victims. I mean, it sounds like it's a good thing, right? But, you know, like killing people, performing experiments on them and burying them, that's not a good thing. So, yeah, you know, but, but you know, it's just, it's a turn. Like, the you know, certainly the humans are not, instead of being the victims, they're the victimizers in this one. Yeah. You know, certainly Bo and Lauren, I mean, not not a big focal point in this episode, but certainly it's brought up. Now, the one change in relationship that I don't think anybody was really expecting Hale and Kenzie. Well, I wouldn't say nobody. Well, I mean, I, <laughs> I don't mean, think we, we, we expected we mentioned it before that not necessarily we, we saw like, you know, like fireworks or sparks there, but, um, you know, the, the, the kind of the special relationship that existed between Kenzie and Hale, um, especially in season one, you know, as they kind of recognize their role as the, the sidekick, the second banana or whatever. And, uh, there's, there was, a, there was a couple suggestions of romantic interest between the two of them. Yeah. It was never followed up on. And I think what I'd have to go back and listen, but I don't want to do that. But I think we had maybe said that there is almost like a brother sister type thing. It seemed before, you know, so it seemed like any of the flirting was playful and not very serious. Right. Now we also have Tamsin and again, you know, this has been going on for, I guess about three episodes now that whatever, I mean, I mean, we know what she's supposed to do at the behest of the dark Fae, whether or not she's actually going to go through with it. We don't know, but clearly it's, it's caused her a lot of emotional distress and, uh, you know, whether her relationship with the Dark Fae is going to change or not, that's certainly in play at this point. Uh, you've, you've got, you know, everybody, you know, virtually every character is in some sort of trouble. You know, Lauren, Kenzie, you know, Hale, Trick's been kidnapped, Dyson's been kidnapped, Tamsin's been shot. Yep. So, and then, uh, you know, Bo is certainly, uh, you know, in impending... Yeah, I think she got a, a scuff on her shoe. Yeah, well, but I mean, ag- again, I mean, she's the target for right. No, yeah, yeah. yeah well, Bo's uh, Bo's uh, peril has been. Well, I mean, I guess you could say nonstop since she, the you know, the the pilot, but certainly this season, we know she's been the focus of something bigger. Yeah, and uh, so so her peril is not necessarily quite as dramatic in this particular episode, but it's you know been existent all all season long. All right, well, why don't we go back to just recap the opening scene real quickly. Uh, Bo and Dyson are at Lauren's apartment looking for Lauren. And one of the first things Bo sees is that she left her phone behind. And obviously in this day and age for, uh, you know, young women, that's not something, and young men for that matter, that it's not something yeah. that's that's typical. Oh, and which is what we said last week, that, that Lauren purposefully leaving the phone there is a – you know, just a complete breaking away, right? That's like a symbol of that. So it was unusual, well, not unusual, but it was, you know, like clever how when she solved the medical issue in the lab and, and the first thing she dart, uh, you know, thrust her hand into her pocket and then her phone's not there. She's like, oh yeah, I've, cause she, I, I got to call my, and, right. you know, obviously she's going to say girlfriend, uh, but she forgot, oh yeah, but I, I completely cut off that part of my life. So, uh, you know, no point. No, and, and I and I left my phone. Right now, the other thing that comes up in that uh, scene is that well, number one, you know, she's she's you know, 
opining about her you know, relationship break, but then kind of says, you know, maybe it's more than a break. And Dyson's not real understanding because he says he's in the middle of the, the Faye burial grounds case. And, you know, that's... Yeah, he's like, I got a field full of dead people. I really don't care right. about your personal issues. Right, but he yeah. does say he'll he'll do what he can, which, yeah. you know, which we know he will. Uh, you know, then we see Trick and Kenzie preparing for Hale's inauguration at the doll and, and Kenzie's uh, outfit... You know, it's. I mean, I really liked it. You know, it's it's funny because it's a little more traditional. I mean, if if I don't even know if that's the right description, but it's almost it's a little more grown up. Yet it still has that Kenzie style to it. Right. And yeah. You know. Well, I like that because it, it it just totally. Well, when they show with with Trick and and uh, Dyson. That how Trick is so excited about Hale becoming the uh, the next Ash. Yeah, it really reminded me of of Robert De Niro's character in Goodfellas. Oh yeah, when Tommy uh, Joe Pesci's character is going to be made right, and like you know Jimmy, who's De Niro's character, is like he's really excited and, and looking forward to it. Um, and then what happens? Uh, you know, Tommy shows up to for the ceremony and they, they kill him, you know? So, you know, is, you know, all kinds of bad things are happening here. Is this the worst that's going to happen to Hale or are they going to go full on good fellas, you know, reference and, and uh, have Hale die, you know, uh, well, in, in the next episode. Well, well, the other interesting thing is that it kind of answered the question about tricks attitude toward Hale becoming, the Ash, yeah, remember a couple episodes ago, every time, you know, Hale and Ash would be mentioned, Trick would it's come like back. the acting. Right, exactly. And you almost got the, the feeling that maybe he disapproved, but now it's like a, you know, it's like a proud father. And right. Now, again, goes back to great writing. That opening scene ends with who's showing up at the doll for the Light Fay Ash inauguration. Yeah, the... The Morgan inexplicably is showing up. Yeah. So uh, that, you know, that takes us out of that opening scene. And, you know, I, I was mentioning to you uh, the other day when we were talking about, you know, how we we're going to break it down. And and this episode just really did just have three clear storylines. So why don't, we, why don't we start with Hale's impending inauguration okay. as the Ash for the Light Fay? And, you know, obviously it's it's consuming right now. Trick, Kenzie, and Hale. Uh, you know, Trick's worried because his bartender's not there. You know, Kenzie's trying to do what she can to help. Hale, you know, it's almost like uh, one of those, you know, behind the scenes uh, at a guy's wedding. You know, yeah, yeah. Working definitely. on his tie. Yeah. Oh, and there's that, that great scene where Dyson comes in with the gift from Hale's dad. And it's straight out of Pulp Fiction. You know, here's another reference, right? Right. This one's a little more blatant than the others, but you know, in Pulp Fiction where um, John Travolta's got the briefcase and we don't know what's inside of it, and he opens it up and there's a light inside of it, and Samuel L. Jackson says, is that what I think it is? You know, And like the exact same line uh, here where uh, you know, Dyson opens up and there's this light shine from inside of it, and you know, Hale's like, is that what I think it is? He's like, yep. Yeah. Um, so... Now, do we derive any meaning from the fact that Hale's parents don't 
attend? Yeah, I think they're just generally disapproving prats. <laughs> yeah, I, I, but I guess I don't understand. Yeah. You know, your son. Well, they're just, they're, they're just they're because to, I guess to them, having the Sons of the Ashes maybe not such a big deal, I guess. I don't know. They're not, can't interrupt their vacation. I don't, yeah. I don't know. They're just, you know. Unlikable. Well, well, Probably we do. just that they, they couldn't get the actors. No, okay. Like the other actors are busy, I would no, say, okay. would be the real reason behind it. All right. Well, you know, in, in the unexpected twist, and we already mentioned it, Hale has invited the Morgan, uh, you know, as part of his plan to bring the two sides closer together and to keep the uneasy peace, uh, you know, in place. Uh, you know, we, you know, you already mentioned the scene with, uh, with Dyson, who, you know, almost has that, that best man quality trying to ease his nervousness. And, uh, you know, it's, I, I guess, again, we talked about relationships changing and it's almost difficult to believe that their relationship will change once Hale becomes the Ash. Do you think it will? Um, well, I think it, it has you know, already though. Certainly Hale kind of like, you know, uh, you know, Dyson says, I miss my old partner. And, and Hale says, yeah, me too. So there's that kind of, he's not completely changed. He's not totally gone. But uh, Hale as the Ash is you know, much different than the Hale, my buddy. Well, I mean, we we get the way he acted towards Lauren in, in the last episode. And, you know, we, we referred to him as a dick. And, and he was. But I, I get that. But it's almost, it, it, it seems... Inconceivable. There we go. There's another yeah. ref- movie reference. Yeah. Uh, that that their relationship would change, but I mean, certainly that's something that we'll have to pay attention to in the upcoming episodes. Yeah. Yep. Um, but obviously, now that he's been voted out as Ash, then he gets to go back to being cool Hale that we like. But, but, but I mean, will Dyson become you know his? Most trusted confidant. Well, for the you know, fifteen minutes to half hour that he's still alive on this series, sure. Okay, so so uh, now, to be honest, let's throw it out there. I mean, you you've alluded to it twice now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that, I'm pretty that, sure he's going to get capped. I was going to say that's my that would be my prediction if we were yeah. doing predictions that that yeah. Hale will not make it out of season three. It, it really is looking that that way. So you know, again. As I said with Tamsin, who I also think is going to – I think there's – the next episode is going to get bloody. Oh, I, I don't want either of those characters. I want them both to be back. Um, it just seems like the direction they've been going that, that they, uh, you know, more than likely will not be. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, uh, you know, we, we mentioned uh, Kenzie and, and Trick, you know, during all of these preparations, he seems to be warming to Kenzie. And again, that's one of those relationships that's been going back and forth because we, you know, again, we talked before that that he's mentioned the fact that, you know, she's a human and, and there, there's just certain lines that, that she's not going to be able to cross. Uh, Unless she's made it into a fae. And that's something we'll get to tonight. Now, we're introduced to Massimo, who is this guy that keeps hitting on Kenzie and, and we're, you know, wondering what his deal is. He tells her he can make the impossible happen. And that's of course what we think, what you just said. Right. And it's funny because with both Massimo and with Isaac in this episode, because 
Yeah, we don't find out until like probably like halfway, like how the Isaac is really the baddie. But though we're pretty sure he's the bad guy, we don't trust him. But still, there's something about him that's compelling. You know, the same way with Massimo. You know, like almost immediately from the start, I'm like she calls him a douchebag. I'm like, I agree, this guy's a douchebag. But on the other hand, there's something compelling about him as a character. I kind of think, yeah, hey, you know, he might be a guy I tip a pint with or something. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, he's Faye, correct? Yeah. Right? And basically tells her that she can become one of them. Yeah. And, you know, throwing that out there and obviously... But whether that's just a line or whether that actually can happen is the question, right? Right. Well, true. So, um, all right. Now, we'll obviously come back to that because even though we do have three separate stories, they're all interconnected to you know a certain extent now in, in uh the b story and or just for you know to to label it differently not that it's less important than the, the para plot line is uh you know tamson and Bo and and the whole idea that tamson is supposed to be taking out Bo, and i don't mean taking her out for a good time i mean taking her out yeah, and, there's uh, another. You snuck in another Pulp Fiction reference, right? There. Well, and, well played, sir. All right, and she is still a drunken mess. Yeah, shows up at Bo's place, and the you know, and, and the interesting thing, she starts to open up to Tamsin about Lauren. You know, and, and, yeah, well, a little bit. Well, you nothing know, nothing that that isn't already known. It's kind of on the public record. The stuff she says, I think, right now. She, the, the interesting thing, she comes in there, Bo's in the bathtub, and, you know, Bo hears the door open, hears somebody comes in. She stands up, obviously, uh, completely naked, yeah. holding. A knife. A knife, of course, because. Always, always, always has one at hand. Right. And, you know, it, it, the, the interesting thing, uh, interesting scene, you know, she, Tamsin, talks about, yeah, you know, I think she reaches down and smells her shirt or armpit or whatever and mentions about how you know she probably stinks and i think bo says something about well you need to take a shower or a bath or whatever and so right away i'm like yeah well she climbs in the tub with her she just uh only takes her well actually she doesn't even take her gun out of her holster at first actually that was i was thinking like dude your gun your gun okay (laughs) and then she just throws it i don't think that is safe uh, you know, it's a loaded gun still. Yes, it's just been the water, but just to throw it on the ground? Like, really? Like, I know you're drunk, but, you know, come on, basic safety here. Yeah. <laughs> now, but it was, you know, it really was a poignant scene when she gets in the tub, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, she's not making any sexual advances. It's, it's nothing uh, like, well, okay, maybe. There there was a moment. Okay. There, there was definitely a moment there. Where I was pretty sure it was going to happen. With, with the lean in? Yeah. Yeah, okay. But, you know, then when because, she start- like, she's like, you know, well, okay, maybe it, it's because it's, it's just like this kind of, you know, typical kind of like porn movie kind of thing where, you know, like, but I was like, Tamsin, what are you doing? You know, like that. I'm like, oh, it's on. Yeah. But then, uh, but then no, well, they actually they talk. Well, right. Cause then Tamsin comes back, you know, where do you get off being so perfect? Right. You know, and, and it's not like. Uh, you, you know, she sees Bo as 
competition or anything like that. It, it's I, I think she, you know there is the certainly a, a level of respect, and and she says to me, "You are." Yeah, well, I think she's you know starting to fall in love with her a little bit there. Yeah. Now the other thing I I, I thought about with the tub, you know. I mean, or is this, uh, am I just trying to see too much? I mean, is this the whole washing away the guilt thing? Um, well, I mean, I think just think a bubble bath is a, you know, a, a nice way of feeling better. You know, like if you're really stressed out and things are going kind of bad, uh, you know, bubble bath, nice hot soaker. Okay. But, but does I, wonders. Okay. But why, I, I guess I just keep coming back to why, is she so torn up about all of this? I mean, she hasn't taken the final step against Bo. I mean, does she feel... Oh, Tamsin getting into... The, I thought you were talking about Bo. Yeah, no, no, Oh, Tamsin. yeah, 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 yeah. I would say it's probably definitely some kind of cleansing type symbol symbology going on there. Yeah, she's... Yeah, because she's she, she's torn up about... So, so I mean, does she... What does she, she has... Because obviously she hasn't done it yet. She's supposed to pass on that little bottle... And then the wanderer will take care of the rest. That was what uh, Acacia told her. Okay, so then um, what's the guilt? I mean, is it, does she feel guilt? Well, she's conflicted. She, uh, but between what she is supposed to do and and uh, her relationship with Bo, you know, she, like she's supposed to hand over the bottle so the wanderer can and capture Bo or whatever. Um, but then again, she's well, I think in love with Bo, and so doesn't want to you know doesn't want to do it so the the two things are you know causing her inner conflict does she have a shot at redemption sure yeah when she gets killed she's gonna die a hero okay well what no, if she, i don't think it's gonna happen because of this i mean what if she point. doesn't die and but doesn't go through with turning over the vial right so oh yeah there's definitely potential for redemption there yeah. all right now she climbs out of the tub still fully clothed and before leaving, tells Bo, keep your wits about you. You never know who might be watching. Right. So who are we talking about? I mean, are no, we talking well, about uh, the person that hired her? It could be someone is else that, on the inside. I mean, are we talking about the, you know, is this the wanderer that hired her or? Well, yeah. Okay. But, uh, but, but I mean, that's what we assume. The most likely uh, scenario is that she's, talking about the wanderer but you know keep your wits about you that's kind of suggesting that um there, there might be other people involved that uh maybe people that she is friends with people she sees often yeah i don't know right. well you know it's, it, it's an ambiguous line okay well this is certainly not the last time the two of these characters get together in this episode because later on Bo finds tamsin at lauren's and you know, she's clearly just come out of the shower, you know, <laughs> hair's wet, and, and and clearly she needed a shower. Yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, Tamsin, yeah, I'm sorry, Bo tells her that Dyson's been kidnapped, and, and that really affects Tamsin a lot, the fact that right. that humans have kidnapped a fae. And, you know, maybe it, it, maybe it has a lot of meaning because she's grown – uh, you know, to really respect and and appreciate Dyson, or you know, maybe it's just the fact that it's you know it's a fellow Fay. But regardless, Tamsin's going to help her. Well, I mean, she's got the relationship with Dyson there. You know, okay. now, I think that there is 
more than professional, you know, not necessarily a loved one, but, you know, certainly a, uh, you know, like his pretty good friends. Okay. Now, here's my question. What is it with the beat-up cars that these fey women are driving? I mean, Bo's got a cool car. Right. But come on, you know, body shop, paint job, come on. That truck that Tamsin's driving, yeesh. I do like yeah. I do like her picking the lock, taking the boot off. Right. Yeah, that but, was cool. But the other thing is, now, is she so out of it that she forgot the vial was in the truck? Yeah. Or yeah. or does well, she want I, I Bo think, to find yeah, it? I, I, you know, I, on a literal, very literal, I think that, that she's just out of it. Okay. And she's so torn and distracted. But uh, but certainly, yeah. Maybe you know, subconsciously you make that theory that that yeah that she either consciously or unconsciously wants Bo to find it and to figure out what's going on. Right, and then and you know end the the conflict. You know, then she doesn't have to do it. Um, all right. So anyway, they find the research facility. We're not sure how they made that connection. Um, I'm trying to think if. Uh, let me, let me see. It seems like they just ended up there, but uh, they're not there very long. But you know, before a guard encounters them and shoots Tamsin in the gut, and you know, generally gut shots are pretty nasty. So you know, you already mentioned that. That I mean, are you? Is that another of your predictions? You don't think she's going to survive at season three? At Tamsin? Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, I said that a couple times ago. I'm going to kind of stick. Yeah, I'm going to stick with that. I think she's going to. All right. Now, uh, <laughs> we talked last week about our uh, our babe watch. And while Bo's attending to Tamsin after getting shot, I think she says, come on, babe, wake up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got that in my notes. I'm like, really? Come yeah. on. If we were still doing reallys. The babe. Yeah. Now, uh, uh, I just can't believe they, they pulled that out. And they're not even in a relationship. Come on, babe, wake up. I was like, no. Yeah. So, well, Tamsin's phone rings. Bo answers it. It's Massimo, who thinks he's talking to Tamsin, tells her that he's, you know, he got the kiss from the best friend and the serum to tame the succubus is ready. So, if Bo didn't know before, she certainly knows now. Right. Yeah, so. and, and yeah, and she and she knows that you know Tamsin is also uh, you know involved. All right, now uh, for our third story, you know I, I, we know the the Docubus fans are probably somewhat disappointed, you know, in that that Bo and Lauren are on a break or broken up or whatever it is they are. But I mean, this was really a strong episode for Lauren, you know, and, yeah. and Zoe yeah. Palmer. Sure. So, uh, you know, you mentioned already that, you know, we, we pretty much figured Isaac was a bad guy. Well, certainly that gets reinforced here. Yeah. And he's, you know, crazy too. Yeah. Oh, you know what? What a great scene. Yeah. You know, that was the whole, you know, almost like Jekyll and Hyde-ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, I, you know, it's like kind of like fairly you know, kind of cliche type thing where the uh 
the bad guy who's so cool and composed all of a sudden, you know, breaks down and goes in the full on crazy mode all of a sudden. Right. And and then immediately just snaps right back to cool and collected. Right. Right. But we see her working at his research facility and, you know, they get the whole lab full of scientists and whatever she tries works something with an enzyme or, you know, whatever this great breakthrough. And it's obvious this is, the excitement in her life that she's been missing. And I think that's one of the the biggest things that comes out of, you know, this third story arc is that there is something missing in her life and that she does get a lot of satisfaction from her work, but not so much her work with the Fae, I guess, or not so much with the way she's been allowed to do her work with the Fae. Right. Yeah. And she's just, you know, now is finally gets to do what she wants to do and pursue things she wants to pursue and, uh, you know, just generally enjoying the new gig. Yeah. And for, you know, he had champagne ready and she, even she questions, you know, well, how did you know I was going to be successful? Because it was a setup, you dummy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, think about it, Lauren. Okay. And, 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 and actually that's not fair to, to say that because she catches on pretty darn quickly you know, to, to what's going on here. And, and she, right, well, because she, yeah, she takes the, uh, you know, the, she right. does the, Oh, let me see that trick, uh, on the, the person at the uh, microscope and steals a sample. Right. Right. Because yeah, I mean like at, at first, the first, you know, when it first works, I mean, she's understandably excited who wouldn't be, but, but again, um, you mentioned already, she reaches for her phone, can't find it. And, you know, certainly can't, can't text Bo with her success, uh, you know. So, but the thing is, whatever Bo brings to the table, you know, in terms of giving Lauren you know, fulfillment, it clearly work is important to Lauren, and and I don't even know if I I, I may think it's more important. Mm, more important than her relationship? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, okay, I, I guess they're I different. I, but I, I mean, they definitely. Well, I think. Her job and and Bo's job are both like you know, kind of high pressure jobs that require a lot of their time. So it's it's you know it's more of a challenge for their relationship then because they both have these let's call high power jobs. You know? All right. So what about Isaac? Uh, he's human, and yeah. and it seems as if all of this is so that what so that he can become Faye. Uh, that's what it appears, yes. Okay. Uh, is it possible that it's all about controlling the Fae? Mm, I, I, I don't know if it's that so much as just, you know, he wants to be Fae. Like, like, I thought he was like, you know, King Louie in the Jungle Book. You know, I want to be like you, man. You know, like, uh, um, this is kind of like, he says, I've wanted this since I was a kid. So I'm wondering, is there like some backstory here where like, you know, some tragedy that occurred in his life that led him to discover the Fae. And then this is what has motivated his entire life. Yeah. To... Right. And, and that's something that, uh, you know, I wonder if will be revealed at some point. How, how did he discover it? You know, because that's something that really hasn't been addressed a whole lot in lost girl, you know, that whole, uh, you know, a, a, I mean, at some point, I mean, look, Kenzie discovered them. Yeah, right. Right. I, I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. what they try they... to remain hidden, but sometimes they don't do so well. Right. And we obviously know that sometimes there's intermarrying, but you know, what do they do 
when they're discovered and the person discovering them, you know, is not going to go quietly into that good night. Yeah. So, right. Um, oh, there's also the, the, the guy back in season one who was looking, that's actually episode two, I believe, who was looking for his dad, remember? Oh, uh, you mean who, his, 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 his dad, dad was, was a leprechaun the, or? No, he was, uh, he, you know, he was the big heavy guy who like set things on fire when he farted. Oh, right, <laughs> right, right, right. All right. Um, so, so that, that kid, you know, like. I guess his mom told him about, it. but you know, again, but another human who knows about the the world of Fay, right? All right. Well, the, talk about creepy stories. You know, in the course of this, you know, Isaac's telling Lauren about a killer named Gabriel, I believe, who killed people uh, because he thought they were too good for this world, that they were worthy to ascend, and that uh, somehow then the killer's bone marrow was used to save someone else's life. And then that person whose life was saved apparently acquired the memories of this serial killer. Right. Right. Yeah. So, which, which, like, yeah, I told you, like, I watched it like three times. And the main reason I did was because the first two times I watched it, he said that someone was speared in a diner. And I mean, I was like, oh, I've, totally seen a show where someone gets shot with like a spear gun in a diner i'm like oh so like i'm just like racking my brain trying to remember and so i miss pretty much all that stuff you just said so i go to watch it a second time this time i'm taking notes and it happens again and then the same thing happens because i hadn't looked it up i spent the next five minutes once again wondering what show i'd seen and and i miss all that stuff you just mentioned so Finally, I was like, I am going to like just Google the crap out of this. I'm going to do spear gun, diner, supernatural, harpoon, everything. Coming up with the craziest feedbacks from Google, and uh, and uh, and then finally, uh, I, found, I I saw the following. I'm like, ah, that was it. It was on an episode of The Following where this uh, this this lady is killing all the Claire Matthews, the one character is named Claire Matthews. So she's going th- finding Claire Matthews across the country and killing them. And so she meets the one in a uh, in a diner, and she you know shoots her with a harpoon spear gun. Mm. Kind of gruesome way to die. All right. Well, I mean, I guess then it goes back to was this just one step in the process to. You know, being able to become Faye, you know, are they going to start extracting bone marrow? I mean, clearly, or, or I'm going to say clearly, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it appears as if Isaac is the one responsible for the 18 dead Faye. Right. Right. And, yes. and that they were just basically used in experimental purposes, I, I guess, like right. you know, Joseph Mengelev. Right and yeah, so we we say how the um, you know, the Morgan is you know kind of reminiscent of the the rise of fascism in Germany. Well, then here we have uh, someone performing human medical experimentation, as the Nazis did as well. Right. So, so, um, so the strong theme of that running throughout the episode, you know, not just you know one or the other. Right, and we'll get to more of the the Morgan and Hale in a, in a minute. Um, now. You know, again, at, at this point, Lauren really senses something is wrong and, you know, starts looking around, discovers Dyson, who's imprisoned in that, you know, I guess glass enclosed uh, cell, 
and she tells him that she's found found a sample enzyme from a mature succubus, and you know that yeah, I guess we're supposed you know I guess she figures it's there to somehow do harm to Bo. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Isaac overhears her, tells her he's been planning this for forty years, and you know it's right. at this point. Hey, it's you know, backstory, right? And you mentioned, you know, you already mentioned this is the scene where we realize that this guy is flat out nuts, and uh, you know, apparently he wants to be Faye. So, uh, and then now, did you catch what Dyson tells Lauren? That, that, well, he says this is why you can't leave, right? Right. So, yeah, which in, we, we weren't expecting that. Yeah. Now, I guess what he means, I, I assume, is is that you know you know too much. Yeah. And you know, outside of our protection, you know, it, it's just it's too dangerous to allow that to happen anymore. Yeah, I think that's that's exactly it. That she just she knows too much about the Fay. To be out there running around on her own, which right. uh, I'm not sure how much that argument really holds water, you know, but, uh, but that's, you know, then, cause Hale used that, like, that's like his reason for locking up Lauren. I'm like, okay, granted, had you said that to her, instead of just ordering her around, you communicate to her like that, she might not have left. But instead, he's just a jerk and saying, you know, you take the weekend. That's all you get. I told you so. And, like, you do what I tell you. And being all bossy, like, no one likes that. So No. So. All right. Morgan and Hale. Now, is he that naive or is it, is it just hindsight? Well, I mean, look at it. What was he a couple months ago, right? He was a cop. Now, nothing wrong with a cop. I'm just saying, like, he hasn't being preparing for a leadership role, right? Because right. he wasn't even like the leader of their little two-man group with him and Dyson. Right. He was the second banana. Right. So he he doesn't, you know, though we said in, uh, in, in season two, he starts exhibiting more independence and more leadership-like qualities, but still not someone who's really prepared for the job. And this is where... You know, um, you know, monarchies being passed down by blood and handed down through primogeniture don't work because ultimately you're going to run into someone who's like the only candidate around as in Hale and he's just not qualified for the gig, right? Right. So, <laughs> a funny scene though when she sees him in his tux and she says that if it wasn't punishable by death, she'd give him a taste. Yeah. Um, and I like how he smacks her on the rear end too. Yeah. Like, Wow, right. no one dared do that to Morgan. That's right, nice. but then she puts that bug or whatever it is. Yeah, like a little fly that's right, on the hors d'oeuvre, but uh, apparently he's got uh, some sort of protective cologne on. And... Well, no, he's got the, the oh, thing. Oh, that... right, right, right. He's got the thing Dyson gave him. Yeah, that Dyson gave him. Right. And... Um, but which leads me to, here's my question, right? Because this is a light fay event. Okay. So did the Morgan bring like her own waiter? Like, wouldn't that guy be like, dude? I'm not gonna. That's that's that guy's gonna be the ash. I'm not gonna give him a something's gonna get out of here. You know. Well, that could. Or be. did the have the dark fae into you know infiltrated the you know, which which yeah, with your saying that this was a, a setup from the start, like you know that would maybe indicate that. So. Oh, and even to go, to go a step further, you know, once Hale realizes it was her, why doesn't he bounce her at that point? 
Yeah. You know? Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, you only made one attempt on my life. You're still good. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, now, the other question is, I didn't think it was clear whether or not the Morgan and Isaac are working together at all. I think no. Well, I mean, there's there's not really, and then there's no, you know, outward indication that that's the case. Though, it, you know, could say it is suspicious that uh, you know Isaac is rumble, or you know that Isaac pulls this this heist or this kidnapping on the very same day that the Morgan is in the doll, which she would never be, right? Right. Um, so it is it, certainly that coincidence could potentially be a suspicious type. So, so then she just simply reacted quickly to turn this situation to her advantage. Right. And, and immediately- yeah, or, or she planned it out and had humans do this. So then now she can has her, her scapegoat, right? And so when she goes all xenophobic demagoguery, uh, which, by the way, is not sexy, ladies. Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, that, that she has her built-in scapegoat. And like we said about people being afraid and how, you know, it's like, just like, you know, the this country after 9-11, you know, like people are freaked out and scared. And, and, uh, and, and, and we talked about ancient Rome, as well, you know, when the rise of the Caesars predicated in civil war, where, you know, people are worried about war. So this guy says, okay, well, just, you know, I can take you over and straighten this stuff out, but you're going to have to give up some of your, you know, liberties and everything. Well, right. I mean, and she steps, you know, she steps right up with her Mark Antony speech that, you know, you already mentioned, friends, elders, noblemen, and, and, you know, I mean, Mark Antony is trying to get the the crowd to realize who's really at fault, um, you know. Yeah, or he's trying to turn them to his advantage so that he can – I mean, that's right. really what he did is is there was a, you know, a power shift right. um, from you know, Brutus and Cassius right. then to, to Antony right. that hinged on that speech there. Because right. we all know Hale is an honorable man. Yes. Right. <laughs> um, and – why does the dark fay have a say in how the light fay elect their leader? Yeah, that would have been my my really. If we do it really, I'd say like really, like the like. Why doesn't everyone there say when she gets up and gives her speech and someone's like, "Hey, dark fay, beat it." <laughs> yeah. What you can't tell us what to do. Get the hell out of here. Well, I, I and I agree with you, and it, it even goes to a vote. Now, now, first thing though, she does tell one of her minions to assemble the dark elders, I believe. Right. So maybe again, she just, yeah. But again, this is a light fate. Now, now granted yeah. the doll serves both, right? It's a way station. Right. Right. So, you so know, maybe that's, you know. okay. But still it, it begs the question that this is a light fate inauguration. Why does the dark fate have any say in whatsoever? Well, you know, it, it gets to a point where she calls for, a vote of no confidence, and right. and Hale is voted out before yeah. he gets in, which is exactly what happens to Chancellor Valorum in Star Wars Episode One, okay. as as you well know. Okay, um, Palpatine calls a vote of no confidence, and see, well, here we go, another reference to a a, a dictator, a you know a an emperor 
taken over. Palpatine causes calls for a vote in no confidence in Chancellor Valorum. Chancellor Valorum is voted out. Palpatine's voted in. And now the Dark Lord of the Sith is in control of the Imperial Senate. The Morgan steps up, declares that from now on, any human claimed under the employ of the Fae in this territory will be considered terrorists. Enemies. Yeah, strong word, man. Enemies of the one true state. Yeah. Now, now, what's the one true state? What does that mean? Yeah, I mean, I is don't that know. the is, Catholic Church refers to itself as the one true faith? So I wonder if. Well, I mean, does that? I, like that. I mean, is that Fay in general, or is that Dark Fay? I mean, I guess. Well, I, maybe it's the the state that she's creating right here and now. Well, okay. Like Mark Anthony. Well, is like it a mixed state? Hitler, like uh, like uh, Palpatine. Right. I mean, is it a mixed state? Is it well? L- it's light the, the and Fay dark? under. Under dark rule, I guess. Okay. Because we know there's been civil war throughout and and infighting, or not infight, but fighting between the light and dark. So there certainly there must be times when when one was more powerful than the other. Um. So. Well, and and obviously that's to her advantage with with the light in that, you know, the enemy are the humans. You know, just like you know Hitler, the enemy. You know, the Jews are the cause of. Uh, you know why you are poor, why you have no job, why you, you know, live in squalor, right? Right. When obviously the reality was the you know terms of the Versailles Treaty were, yes, probably what kept them down. Now yeah. after you know hearing all and, this, and well, and the 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 effects of the American Great Depression, the stock market. Well, well, uh, yeah, right. Um, all right, so after all of that, Hale tells Kenzie she's got to leave because, you know, he's just heard what the Morgan declared, and, um, you know, she obviously doesn't take it well and tells Hale she thought he was her friend, and that's where we have the uh, scene where he tells her, you've never just been my friend. Right. And, you know, why didn't you ever tell me that, dude? Why did he? Well, I guess she was dating Nate for quite a while there, and you know, then they, they were trying to fight the Garuda, and before that, trying to find Bozo. I guess they both were just kind of busy, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, so they're they're in front of the Morgan when when this little scene is taking place, and he has her taken away, and and, and obviously we know he has to do that for show. So, what is it? He slips into her jacket pocket is that what dyson gave him mm, yeah, i don't know and then we get to the closing scene where uh, everybody's in prison lauren and dyson are talking when a woman asks if they've seen her daughter right then yep this is the moment i've been waiting right, for then at the end of the hallway for in, two oh, seasons now in another cell saskia obviously mentally and emotionally <laughs> hampered what about my daughter is she safe and it's yeah. e- and it's Eva. Eva, yep. I, I knew she was still alive. I knew yep. she's coming back. So I mean, uh, you know, a lot going on in this episode, and uh, um, you know, and a lot of questions, and you know, where where we're gonna, you know, I, I get the feeling we're going to head into the hiatus in between season three and four with yeah, uh, the Morgan in control. And the light fay on the run. Yeah, I, I think things are going to be pretty bad at the end of the season for sure. You know, that it's going to be uh, like, like as, uh, you know, being human just ended. And with the being human UK season 
every the end of every season, everything was totally screwed up. So yeah. All right. Uh, anything else you want to? Well, there's just one more thing. Uh, just uh, kind of a shout out too. As we're talking about being human, when they have the the uh, match between the two wolves, like the kind, of, this is uh, straight out of, of being human. Uh, the UK, I think they did it once. Uh, yeah, there was like one time they did it in the US, but there's a couple times it happens in the UK show where they, the vampires would capture two werewolves right before the, the moon. And in this case, it's not before the moon. Um, and they have what they call the dog fights. And they'd bet. And they'd have the two werewolves. They would change. Uh, and then they'd, the, their wolf selves would fight each other in the cage and everything. So... Um, little bit of reference to being human there. And then, did, did you notice how uh, Dyson killed the Lupercus? Well, he just ripped his throat out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, Patrick Swayze's signature move on Roadhouse. Oh. You ever see that movie? Uh, I have, yes. Yeah, that's, that's a good movie. And, uh, you know, he would just, you know, remember that? Like, that was his move. Like, he was, that he didn't want to use because he was a tortured soul and didn't want to kill people. But then like by the end of the movie, he's like ripping people's throats out left, right and center. All right. Well, I guess that's about it. We head into the season finale. Uh, I would say in two weeks, but obviously we're a little bit, you know, late in getting this podcast recorded, but right. uh, the U S did have to wait or does have to wait an extra week. The Canadian finale will be tomorrow night. And then the U.S. finale will be a week from Monday. So, all right. Well, why don't we do a little bit of listener feedback? Listener feedback. Yeah, baby. All right. And we've got another email from Sally, and she's got a lot of great points. I want to get to – probably won't get to all of them. But, all right. So, after watching Hail, Hail, she says, here's what I'm hoping – that Lauren and Hale have been collaborating on a mission to infiltrate Isaac's operation and that the Karen Beatty thing was some sort of cover or excuse for Isaac to recruit and or blackmail her. Now, if that's not the case, then Lauren's really a dope and not a very good doctor for chucking it all to go work for Isaac. And I don't see how she can be easily forgiven by Bo, the other Faye, or by me. Since I'm on Team Lauren, I hope that (laughs) we'll get a big reveal to this effect in Episode 13. If Hale doesn't have something up his sleeve, then he's either either he won't remain as new Ash or will have a really tough time since he looks weak and stupid now in the eyes of the other Faye. All right, so some definitely good points. I mean, obviously you and I both think not only is Hale weak, but he's probably going to end up being dead. Yeah, but, yeah, I think uh, he's just uh, inexperienced and, and naive and, and idealist as a leader, which again, you know, like, you know, that, those are the, the type of leaders that get killed. Right. But, you know, certainly when, when Lauren does get back, it's going to be interesting to see how Bo reacts, how Trick reacts, how the others. But again, based on everything we're seeing at the end of this episode tonight that we're talking about, uh, it's going to be a while before anybody's going to have time to, you know, be mad at her for the choices she made. Right. All right. So Sally goes on and she says, I hold out some hope because Lauren's behavior in the lab, stealing test tubes, checking them out under the microscope and calling someone who we don't know to get the files. You know what? I almost thought that was just a fake call to, to make, you know, kind of to distract. I'm not even sure I believed she was actually on the line with anybody. Yeah. It, it, I, I took that as just kind of like a yeah, totally 
Yeah, trying to make it look like she wasn't being suspicious. All right. Now, this is one that I really like is that uh, Sally says, I think we get a clue that maybe she, Lauren, engineered the breakup with Bo for another reason, like trying to keep her out of the Isaac uh, lab facility. When she cured heart disease, her first thought was, I need to text my girlfriend. I think that's what she was about to say anyway. Well, of course, you you, know, you and I agree yeah, yeah. on that. So in her heart, she still considers Bo as her girlfriend. I don't see Bo being thrilled about being kept in the dark, though. If the girls get back together, they're going to have to have a long talk, uh, talk and rebuild some trust, preferably in bed. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, th- I think that, uh, you know, the, the rescue mission thing, if it, everything goes out all right, that that will kind of be enough that they will realize the folly of their ways and they will you know, return to their relationship. All right. Now, we, we mentioned this. She says, I think the Morgan must be collaborating with Isaac because of all her smirking when Dyson was abducted by the humans indicates that she helped set it up. So hopefully that'll come back to bite her in her exquisitely shaped ass. It is a very nice book. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, was, I, I, I tend to agree with that. I think, I think she had something to do with it. I think she engineered it. So, All right. Uh, it's nice that Hale confessed his love to Kenzie, slipped her a magic key or something, whatever it was he put in her pocket. I've always thought they made good friends but haven't sensed a ton of romantic chemistry. See, that's I think you and I disagree a little bit there because I never really – Well, uh, she said a ton. I yeah. agree that they, there hasn't okay. been a ton. I, I think there's been little smatterings here and there. Okay. But, you know, n- nothing that would necessarily warrant the, this full-on declaration. That, yeah. All right. Now, this is something we didn't talk. Where was Trick going? You know, Yeah, he, he, was, he, was, he was getting out of Dodge. He, he took all – well, you say he grabbed all his Blood King stuff, and then he grabbed the, um, the, the, the piece of parchment with that we assume has something to do with Bo's dad. Mm-hmm. You know, that had the, uh, the horse, the fire-breathing horse on it. Um, so where he was going, I don't know. He had a pretty sweet looking hat though. Yep. All right. She says, I, it doesn't seem like Isaac can be Bo's father. Did we talk, did we, did you throw that out there last time? I, I did throw okay. that out there. Obviously that, that, uh, that theory has gone down yeah. in glorious flames. Right. Because he's human and, uh, yeah. All right. Not a chance. All right. Uh, she says, Tamsin was awesome in this episode. I loved her drunken slouching about in Bo's bathroom. I hope she returns to uh, for season four, and I'm not going to look at IMDb. And, and obviously, we've we've said that, uh, although we don't always uh, adhere well, to it. Well, our... it wouldn't be on IMDb yet anyway, right? Yeah. Well, you, start, you never know. They start filming, yeah. All right. Uh, she says... I think we have indications that all these loose ends will be addressed, if not tied up in the finale while saving plenty for season four, which is definitely good. Whatever happens, I just want it to make sense. If Lauren ends up as a dope, then that feels out of character to me. If Hale was outmaneuvered by the Morgan, then I could buy that since she's wily and he's kind of earnest. Uh, I could see him possibly dying in the last episode as some sort of a JFK figure, a reformer who is ahead of his time and because he's an actor on another show. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I tend so, to say more RFK than JFK, but yeah, I'm with you. So, uh, good stuff as always, Sally. So, uh, yeah, definitely keep again. them coming. And for all the listeners, you can drop us a line at fatalistpodcast at gmail.com. You can check out the website, fatalist.com 
podbean.com and you can also leave us a voicemail just click the green tab at the right side of the page keep in mind though that you're limited to 90 seconds of course you can leave us more than one uh we're on facebook wayne uh uploaded uh, some great links for songs that that tie in and occasionally we do some tweeting on twitter uh as most of the by, listeners by, are likely by we, doing you mean dave does it yeah uh can access it through iTunes. So finally, you know, we've been talking about it for a couple of weeks. We wanted to take a look at our top questing movies. Yeah. Yeah. We got to make this one kind of snappy because I got to go pick up my son a little bit. All so, right. But so we can get uh, it in there. We can get our list in there. All right. Well, I'm going to give you one here. Uh, I'm okay. going to start it out and I'm going to go with the road warrior, Nice. which was the middle film in the Mad Max trilogy. Uh, Road Warrior, 1981, uh, Mad Max came out in 79, and then in 85 was the third movie, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. And yeah. for those of the listeners that don't know, it's the post-apocalyptic wasteland, lawless renegades are taking whatever they want. Yeah. They're and, remaking them now, actually. So, Well, well, well there's also going to be a f- – I believe there's going to be a fourth. And I'll get to that in a second. Uh. Um you know, so what are our quests? We've got this peaceful group that just wants to move. I believe they want to move to what they believe is the ocean. You know, they've heard about this. They want to get a fresh start. And of course, they come under attack. Now, Max is a former policeman whose wife was killed by these renegades. He's become a nomad. And he's kind of pulled in as the reluctant savior of these people. He's the prototypical anti-hero because, you, you know, you see him doing a lot of bad things. But when he's forced to make a choice, he he generally does the right thing. Uh, we do see, or, or supposedly Mad Max Beyond Fury is due for a 2014 release with Tom Hardy, who was in Dark Knight Rises mm-hmm. uh, and Inception, and he's going to yep. play apparently the Mad Max role. So And Band of Brothers, actually. Oh, okay. But if you haven't seen any of the Mad Max trilogy, uh, I would skip the first one and go right to either. Uh, well, I mean, it's, well, I mean, if you, I mean, if you're Easy. not, gonna, I mean, oh, if you're not going to watch all three, why? Why would you not watch all three? Well, why I, would you only watch two of the three? Well, I would, but so. <laughs> all right. So, what do you got? All right, uh, I'm going to go from bottom up, and I went with the first one was the Fellowship of the Ring. Oh, okay. Which is my my favorite of the three uh, Lord of the Ring movies. But, you know, like a lot of questing going on in there. All right. So what are they questing for? The, the, to return the, they, they got the ring that they, that Bilbo found in the Hobbit and uh, has been holding on to. And now things are heating up in Middle Earth. And so Bilbo passes the ring on to his nephew Frodo. And it's Frodo's job to uh, return the ring to Mount Doom where it was forged and to cast it into the pit. All right. Yeah, and, and I would certainly think most of our listeners have probably heck, probably read the whole series as well as seen all the movies. Yeah. But, but it was just funny when I went to see it in the movie theater the first time. Because like the movie, if you haven't seen the books, have seen, read the books... Um, the movie is, ends rather abruptly, <laughs> and and you know, like you, if you went in there thinking you were going to see a complete movie, uh, you would be very disappointed because, um, you know, at the end he has not yet gotten the ring back, and the fellowship is all broken up, and 
But uh, so, yeah, obviously, if you read the books, you know this because there's two other books. But I just remember, like, you know, the credits came up and some behind was like, hey, <laughs> you know, it's like, I was like, dude, there's two more books. You know? So. All right. All right. Well, you know, in, in thinking about movies for this list, you know, some of these just seem so obvious and I almost felt like I didn't want to put them on there. But how can you not put Raiders of the Lost Ark? Yeah, I had Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Okay. But yeah. Uh, so this is the first one, 1981. Steven Spielberg, George Lucas, Lawrence Kasdan's epic tale of one of the, you know, really one of the top historical quests. Uh, you know, in this case, they're looking for the Ark of the Covenant uh, that that supposedly contains the ten, you know, the tablet with the Ten Commandments. Right? If I right. remember yes. my biblical history. Yes, the original ones that uh, that Moses broke. Right. Because he came down from Mount Sinai and the and and the Israelites were all mucking about and so he got mad and said, You can't have these. Right. Now he's like, Damn, I got it now I just broke my only copy. Now I, I should have had a backup. So I yeah, you trudge back up the mountain and go get another one. <laughs> now I said one of the top historical quests, certainly the Holy Grail is probably the other one, and that's yeah. Uh, I don't know if you have uh, uh, Mind Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah, yeah do you have that's that? number one, my all friend. Right, all right, well, well, that's the one that I thought. That was like the, that was like the first one I thought of. That's that's why I came up with a list. I was like, I just need a list. I can get Mind Python and the Holy Grail on it. All right. Well, Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know, we've got Harrison Ford, who's the you know, uh, I guess he he probably really is an archetype. Uh, for archaeologists. Uh, he's an archetypal archaeologist. Yes, there we go. Uh, Indiana Jones. And he's looking for an ark. How about that? I never thought about that. That's right. crazy. And, and again, I think most people that are listening have seen it, but you know, it's it's a movie that's got everything, action, love, Nazis, supernatural elements. And then, you know, you mentioned, uh, did you mention Last Crusade? Yeah. Okay, so it was followed by the Temple of Doom in 84, Last right. Crusade in 89, and then Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which it took me about four days to get through, but, uh, you know, still liked yeah. it. All right, yeah. so what do you got? All right, uh, the next one. I'm going to go with two from my uh, my formative years, uh, and that would be The Goonies, oh. which is, yeah, that's a great movie, but also Stand By Me. Did you ever see Stand By I, Me? I did. That was a great movie. Yeah. Yeah, River Phoenix, man. He was awesome in that movie. So, so yeah, you know, and it's a boy's quest because they're going to go find this kid that uh, that they heard was killed, was hit by a train, and so they want to go find the body and, uh, and all the adventures that they have. Okay, now am I not to get sidetracked too far because I know we're pressed for time? But yeah. do you see any connections between that and Super Eight? Or is, it, or is it, or is it just oh, yeah. the fact that they're little kids and you know? Well, it's, they're, they're kids, yeah. yeah. I think didn't did Steven Spielberg do Stand by Me? Um, I can't remember. I'm not sure. But, uh, but oh yeah, but I, I definitely see uh, some uh, connections there. All right. Well, we're going to go back a number of decades for my next one to 1939 and The Wizard of Oz. Oh, all right. Uh, L. Frank oh, yeah. Baum's yeah, Tale yeah. of a Quest to Return Home. Right. And. Dorothy facing a number of obstacles along the way. And, and, you know, I think for you, and again, you know, obviously you're a bit younger than I am, but, you know, for me growing up, it was, it aired once a year, every right. February. Sure, sure, sure. And it was a monumental event. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone, everyone watched it because the, you, there weren't really that many movies. Right. On, you only got four channels. And now I talk to kids that have never seen it. Yeah, and I'm I'm horrified. Yeah, it's pretty bad. 
So, you know, possibly, you know, one of the, I don't, I don't know how I would rank mine, but that would probably be pretty high on the list. Yeah, it has so. to be. All right. You're- All right. So, um, I am going to go with actually a movie I watched last week and that is Batman Begins. Who's, who's the Batman in that? Christian Bale. You know, it's I'm, the first, the first of Christian Bale's, and it's all, a, uh, you know, the big quest thing, like okay. him trying to find himself and uh, dealing with his inner demons and returning to uh, the place where he faces his greatest fear. So there's all kinds of archetype stuff there and everything. So. Okay. All right, now you mentioned this, and and uh, you know that that you had watched it very recently, and I think you and I both talked that that you know I think it's great. The critics apparently don't agree with us and the national treasure. Yeah. I got national treasures down. Yeah. And national treasure book of secrets. Yeah. I mean, Love I think both. They're, I, Love I, them both. they are just both fun movies. And, yeah. and, and the first one is really cool. And if you haven't seen it, Nicholas Cage, Diane Kruger, and they're following this series of clues left by, you know, some of the founding fathers, whether Franklin or whoever, and that they're looking for this uh, heretofore mythical hidden treasure, and you know they are. You know, I, I guess they are uh, masons or whoever, and the uh, knights. You know there are I knights guess, templar connection. and the Freemasons, yeah. right? I mean, so probably uh, some dodgy history going on there for sure. But just right. yeah, like you said, really fun movie, right? And one clue leads you. They have to steal the Declaration of Independence to uh, yeah. get the clue on the back, and then Book of Secrets, of course. Uh, yeah refers to a secret book that the only the president has access to that basically, yeah, got, basically has yeah. all the secrets. Yeah, like Michael Lewinsky's phone number. Yeah. <laughs> and what's really at Area 51. Right. Okay. Um, I'm going to get in here. Uh, the favorite of my favorite of the Star Wars movies as The Empire Strikes Back as a... I actually think it's the one that has the best like kind of quest in it because it's really like Luke... Where he he doesn't know about his father previously, but in this one he really does. He kind of actively pursuing that and everything. So, all right. Now, uh, what about the Princess Bride? Yeah, I had that down. Okay, yep. nineteen eighty seven. Um, you know, I mean, in the simplest terms, it's a quest to rescue Buttercup. Right. Yep. Oh yeah, for uh, sure, for sure. And, that was a good one. And I think you mentioned a couple episodes ago. You know that that you know how important that movie you know, was to your generation that, oh, yeah, that yeah. virtually everybody can quote the entire sure. movie. So yeah, yep, absolutely. All right. All right. Uh, well, my last one is vision quest. Oh, with, that's uh, the wrestling Matthew, movie, right? Yeah. The Matthew oh. Modine or a, uh, a Matthew Modine who looks like he's about, uh, you know, 110 pounds soaking wet ends up being the shoot who looks like he's about, uh, you know, clocks in probably the good, uh, you know, 210, 220, yeah, who needs uh, who, who needs weights when you right, can uh, right. bench well, press a telephone I, pole? And the funny thing is, is, is uh, you know, Matthew Medine has to lose weight to to wrestle this guy. It's yeah. like, uh, really? So that's all I got. All right. Well, that was some some good ones. Uh, you know, on my list, I would say that uh, you know, if, if I had to pick one at the top, I, I got to go with the Wizard of Oz. So yeah, well, and. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Empire Strikes Back, I think. But okay. Either way. All right. So. All right. Let's wrap this up. I got to go get my kid, man. All right. Um, again, 
If you want to drop us a line, fatalistpodcast at gmail.com. You can check out the website, fatalist.podbean.com. And please, you can leave us a voicemail. We are reaching the end of Lost Girl Season 3, so uh, we will see you next week. Well, I guess uh, we got to wait a week for the season finale. And Wayne, looking forward to it. Absolutely. And Dave, you know what? What? It's entirely possible that I don't smell so good.